Show your patriotism with a flag from the United States Flag Service. They offer premium, high-quality flags that are made in the USA. Whether it's the grand old flag, your favorite military flag, or a historical flag, celebrate your freedom with the flag from the United States Flag Service. Go to usflagservice.com. That's usflagservice.com to see their selection of available flags. And then call 1-800-USA-FLAG to purchase your flag today. USA Flag Service. Fly your flag for freedom. Now, the Jen Charlton Show on 930 WFMD and WFMD.com. Telling it like it is with your host, Jen Charlton. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the show. It's great to have you here with us. And, wow, this is going to be a fascinating ride, so strap in. I had the opportunity through a friend and somebody I've had on the show to get connected to one of the FBI whistleblowers. And I'm going to try and get through this without uh, shedding a tear because it's so upsetting what these people have been put through. And in so doing, and I, I, you know, I played some of the clips when this hearing was first held some time ago. And, of course, some things have happened, so we're going to get an update from him. But it also, you know, we've had an opportunity to really see the full scale of weaponization by the DOJ through its various tentacles, one of which is the FBI. And under the Attorney General, which many people have been standing for impeaching him. So there's a lot of issues with the Attorney General. So when you look at the Department of Justice, and we've talked about the ATF, you know, I've called for the dismantling of it. I think that they are unconstitutional. We've had Michael Perutka on, who's a constitutional attorney, talking about that. So a lot of this is housed within what are our rights and what does the Constitution allow for and what does the Constitution not allow for? So I did a little bit of homework. And before I bring my guest on, I want to give you a little sense of the FBI and maybe what we don't necessarily understand about the FBI. So the mission of the FBI is to protect and defend the United States against terrorist and foreign intelligence threats to uphold and enforce the criminal laws of the United States and to provide leadership and criminal justice services to federal, state, municipal, and international agencies and partners and to perform these responsibilities in a manner that is responsive to the needs of the public, very critical, and is faithful more critical, to the Constitution of the United States. Now, if you listen to the testimony of these whistleblowers, you will learn in this hearing that they, not only were their rights violated, but the people who egregiously acted against them did not uphold being responsive to the needs of the public and faithfully attending to the Constitution of the United States. They did not do that. So here is our our law enforcement kahuna that's violating the very principles and essence of who they are. 
Now, at one level, you call that inauthentic. They're definitely inauthentic. But secondly, you call it illegal, corrupt, and so forth. But it lacks integrity no matter what. One of the questions that was posed by one of the ladies in the hearing was, were they, um, I don't remember the term, but faithfully upholding their duties, um, not only these three whistleblowers, but the people who had accosted them through this process. So I wanted to give you that fundamental foundation. Now, who does the FBI report to? They report in the U- U.S. Department of Justice, which is the overarching agency. The FBI is responsible to the attorney general. Again, Garland, we're questioning his capacity and um, uh, authentic uh, relationship to his duties and the Constitution. And reports its findings to the U.S. attorneys across the country. So now there's a network of attorneys across the country, in all the different states. The FBI's intelligence activities are overseen, wait for it, by the Director of National Intelligence, DNI. Okay? So we're going to so we're gonna dig into this a little bit further, but I wanted to set the context for the conversation because it's so important that no one is above the law, including those who say they're there to defend us using lawful acts. And one of the things I've said for years, and then I'm going to bring my guest on, is the government cannot police itself. So we have a fundamental, I'm going to call it constitutional crisis, where our very law enforcement agency of record in U.S., the the big kahuna, cannot police itself, and it needs to. It's corrupt. And so Congress has had to step in. Therefore, these whistleblowers are so critical to this process because they've been on the inside. They've been on the inside dealing with this. So I'd like to bring on Steve Friend, who is a fellow on domestic intelligence and security services. He's a writer. He's just written a book. He's a former state and federal law enforcement officer with more than a decade of experience. He worked as a patrolman in narcotics in Georgia and then moved to the FBI in 2014. And he's investigated violent crimes and major offenses and worked with SWAT, which is very relevant because he testified about that. So good morning and welcome to the Jen Charlton Show, Steve. It's great to have you with us. Thank you very much for having me this morning. Yes, indeed. And I, first of all, thank you for your service in so many different ways, not only as a law enforcement officer, but as a whistleblower. You know, I've had the opportunity. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, I've interviewed many whistleblowers, and you all are courageous, and you've put your butt on the line for us. And I am so grateful, truly, and I'm ashamed at the leadership in the Department of Justice and how they've behaved. It is not what we expect of our leadership here in the United States of America. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I share your sentiment. And, and just even commenting um, on, on your introduction, uh, where you sort of laid out what the prime directive of the FBI, or at least that's what the misconception of the FBI is. Certainly for itself, it doesn't really perceive it this way. And, and our folks that are in positions of leadership don't see it this way. Um, 
And when you were sort of itemizing what our expectations are for what the FBI had to do, um, it was immediately apparent to me that uh, I should pull it up, and I just did, the FBI's Domestic Investigations Operations Guide, which is the rule book for the FBI. And uh, fun fact, criminal investigations are not the primary purpose of the FBI now. It's, it's now an intelligence collection agency. And as a result of that, we've seen some of the abuses uh, become more apparent as this mass has fallen away, and it's, it's turned its, uh, its guns and, uh, and its attention towards the citizens within the country. When did it become focused on intelligence gathering rather than investigation? Because that seems to be something that happened in the cloak of darkness, not really made aware to the people. Is it something that was just sort of a, I think you mentioned it in your hearing, mission creep, where they, you know, just got off purpose. When did it switch to becoming about intelligence? Was it after 9-11? I, I think so. I, I think you can make the case also that uh, uh, J. Edgar Hoover played with intelligence throughout his entire tenure as director of the FBI. But really, when 9-11 happened and the focus for the FBI was directed more towards national security than criminal investigated work, uh, public corruption or, or white collar work, that's traditionally what the FBI did up to that point, the uh, 9-11 brought us a, a change in focus on what we understand to be national security. Before September 11th, it was we have to protect the the continuity of government and we have to uh, preserve our, our republic. But that, that might necessitate people actually being subjects of force uh, or, or being being killed. And they, I mean, that's 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 just the cost of doing business in a free republic. But after September 11th, on September 12th, the idea in this country was no American will ever die at the hands of a terrorist in this country ever again on our soil. And that when you have a no-fail mission, that requires tyranny. And the FBI got the responsibility initially of being the, the sentry on the wall to look for threats to the homeland while our military addressed them abroad. But our military is fantastic, and counterinsurgency worked. It knocked down the threat, and the FBI, as a bureaucratic organization, is a self-looking ice cream cone, had to justify its existence. And in order to do that, intelligence was its its main weapon. And uh, the the evolution from looking for threats abroad to first it became homegrown violent extremism. And those were, and then and our counterparts on the left would argue that those were the vulnerable Muslim Americans who were attracted to committing to terrorist attacks that, that they were not really predisposed to do. And then and now recently, the FBI has changed its focus and they, to a third tier, which is the domestic violent extremist. And then they've sort of loosely defined that as being somebody who is anti-government. Uh, and uh, unfortunately, I can think of about 56 men who signed a document called the Declaration of Independence who were pretty anti-government. And it's the FBI is doing the bidding of a uh, an out-of-control leftist government who perceives its political enemies and is trying to paint them as terrorists so it can point the uh, the levers of power against them. Wow, there's so much there. So first of all, MAGA, Make America Great Again, They, you know, the, this individual who resides in the White House has said that he, uh, he deems MAGA domestic terrorists, essentially. So if we are standing for no corruption, if we are standing for no weaponization of a federal agency against we the people, if we are standing for the bad guys actually get put in jail and stay in jail instead of let out to run amok and do more harm, uh, it, then we're the threat. We're the problem. If we're parents who go to a 
Board of Education meeting to voice their concerns on the education being done to their children, they're called terrorists. How did we, I mean, I think you kind of laid out how we got here, but it's so much worse than we thought, isn't it? It is, and I think that you can make the case that the FBI has always been an extra constitutional agency. It, it, the timeline of the FBI is a little bit murky. Uh, it, it, unlike most other agencies in the government, they kind of have a cleanly defined birthday. The FBI began as this Bureau of Investigations and then eventually evolved into the, it, the, its current title as the Federal Bureau of Investigation. But I contend, if you look through history, that the FBI has never really been about upholding the Constitution, protecting our government uh, or our country or our citizens. It's always been about preserving the status quo for those in power. So if the people in power uh, had certain policy perspectives and certain perceived political enemies, they, they use the weapon of the FBI as their as the teeth on their attack dog. And the Venn diagram might overlap with what the lay person believes that a objective force for good would, would be doing. So I think you and I would probably agree that uh, communists that are hell-bent on bringing down the government through violent means need to be investigated and prosecuted. And I think that that's what our leaders' uh, preference was in the 30s and the 40s. So the FBI went after communists, uh, and that's probably a good thing. But when the leaders in the, in the administration did not like civil rights, uh, the civil rights movement, they turned the FBI against Martin Luther King Jr. And we had COINTELPRO where the bureau tried to encourage him to commit suicide. Okay, hold on before you move there. Are you saying that the FBI had some involvement in Martin Luther King's death? Uh, I don't know about as far as the actual assassination, but COINTELPRO was uh, an actual uh, operation from the FBI where they they did send him uh, some letters to say that they had some some damaging information on him and it might be better if he uh, took his own life. Wow. That 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 is actual historical fact, and and then similarly in that that time frame, you had the, the Vietnam War going on, and the FBI was investigating draft dodgers, and, and you can debate whether or not what's your what's your obligation to the country, but uh, should the domestic uh, law enforcement agency be the conscription police? Well, the people in power thought so, so the FBI was going after people who were protesting the Vietnam War, and now it's. You, you remarked about uh, President Biden, who's, who's labeled MAGA, which he did last September, about a year ago, when he spoke in front of Bennett's Hall. He said that MAGA Republicans were anti-government extremists and white supremacists. And very coincidentally or interestingly, those are the top two priorities of the counterterrorism division of the FBI now. So it's not anti-government. I'm not anti-government, and I'm 100 percent MAGA. I am anti-corrupt government. He just left a word out. So, right? So when you look at this anti-government notion, no, we don't want your behemoth out of control, trillion-dollar spending machine. We want smaller government, and we want more power with the people. It's not anti-government. It's anti-corrupt government and power-grabbing politicians who are self-serving? Oh, like Mr. Uh, Menendez up in uh, up in New Jersey. God bless his little heart. So yeah, I, I think that if you want to talk about weaponized government, I mean, you you, you cited the the school board situation. 
weaponization is a national school board of, I, I don't know, what, an advocacy group or, or lobbying group that has the ear of the government is able to send a letter of grievances to the Attorney General of the United States and then force him to activate and send out a nationwide directive towards his his agents, his attack dogs, the teeth of the federal government, the tip of a gun, to mobilize against parents. That is weaponized government. Yeah, it's out, outrageous. It's squashing the people. It's like the big foot coming down on the crowd of people. You can imagine it, right? Like a cartoon in some Washington Post obscure corner that would look like, you know, the giant smushing the people. And that's what it is. And so, you know, when we look at, um, we're going to take a break and I want to come back and talk about your particular situation. But when you look at basically what they did, and one of the questions is, did it have a chilling effect? That seems to be the term of art now. Chilling effect to go after you guys as whistleblowers and to call you not whistleblowers, um, even though you have the inside scoop on all the corruption and they don't want you to tell the truth, uh, which is your job as a whistleblower. But, you know, they come after you to attack you, to discredit you. Um, it's it's pretty stunning that that's, that that's where we are. Any Any final thought about that before we... Yeah, I mean, I have a whole host of thoughts that we'll probably fill the rest of the hour before I get into your break. But I would say this. Uh, I am, by black letter law, a whistleblower, 5 U.S.C. 2303. And then those who are disputing that probably need to get uh, well informed on what the letter of the law says. Awesome. Well, we'll dig into that when we come back. Everybody, you're listening to the Jen Charlton Show. I have with me today FBI whistleblower Steve Friend, a hero and a patriot who has stood up against the big machine to tell the truth about the corruption in our own Department of Justice. We'll be right back. Past editions of this program are available in the audio vault at WFMD.com. Welcome back to the Jen Charlton Show. I have with me today Steve Friend, who is uh, standing up against the corruption. And I'd like to back up for a second, Steve, and ask you, why did you become a law enforcement officer? And specifically, why was it your dream job to go to the FBI? Well, I became a police officer in 2009. Uh, I'd always had an interest in public service. I have two grandfathers who were in the military and, and looked into doing that as a career. But unfortunately for me, I, uh, I actually can't pass the physical to join the military. I'm asthmatic. I take medication every day for that. So it was not in the cards for me. And I was going to go and enter the, the white-collar world and be an accountant. I uh, did not enjoy that after college and uh, just got the, the, the inkling to go back to some sort of public service. And the idea of being a police officer struck me as being a, a great opportunity because it was an, a chance to deploy to my local neighborhood. And, and I'm a firm believer in the doctrine of the lesser magistrate, so impact uh, the local level the best you can. And... Uh, and then once I got that, got, got a proficiency for it, got my appetite for that, uh, the FBI seemed like a natural move to the highest level. That is the the NFL of law enforcement. And it was an opportunity to really, uh, from my perspective, you'd have all the tools at your disposal to, to do the most good. And I joined the FBI in 2014 um, after a long process, which uh, was pretty arduous, took about four years to get hired, and then was sent to 
the Midwest for the first seven years to investigate Indian reservations, violent crimes occurring there, before relocating to Florida in 2021 to work on child pornography and human trafficking cases. And did that for a few months before I was reassigned eventually to the domestic terrorism side of the house. It was more voluntold to do that. Um, and my executive said that child pornography was not a priority to work in our office, and I needed to to do the national security thing. And uh, that was actually the first opportunity I had with the January 6th cases that ultimately led me to, to decide to come forward with my concerns about those cases. When did you move from human trafficking and child pornography to domestic terrorism? Do you remember the date, time frame? Yes. Well, officially, I transferred to Daytona in June of 2021. The fiscal year ended September 30th, and just before that, I was given word that uh, with the new fiscal year coming in, they were moving manpower around, so my assignment would have happened in October of 2021. Uh, But really, there was no work to be done, so I had sort of this um, backroom deal with uh, with my supervisor that I could continue to do the child pornography work sort of off the books. And then if things popped off on the on the domestic terrorism front, I, I would be very reactive to that because it, really there was four people assigned to, to work on, on terrorism in our office, and, and there just wasn't that much work to do. And I, I, I'm a worker. I wanted to uh, actually do what I had relocated my family to do. And, okay, and so, so I kind of had that understanding and agreement uh, for about a year before uh, I came forward. And it was, the actual plan was for me to go back to working officially on the child pornography front uh, when the next fiscal year happened, because at that point, even the executives saw that there was really not a need for me to be wasting my time. But they had already identified J6 because that had occurred. Yes, January 6th had occurred. And in Florida, of all 50 states, it's got the most subjects. Uh, But because of the, the guys in our office, they had done those investigations before I'd even transferred to the office. I was still in Iowa on, J- on January 6, 2021. Um, so my first look at those January 6 cases and, and when I was immediately apparent to me of how they've been um, departing from the FBI rules for how they're handling them and that was a concern for me, that would have been in the fall of 2021, so about nine, 10 months later. Yeah, and in, we're in the middle of COVID. We're in the middle of threats to lock us down again. Um, with a resurgence coming that fall, according to the corrupt health system, which is a whole nother show. So I've covered human trafficking from way before anybody was really talking about it. I've been covering it for years. And um, for them to put your talents over on domestic terrorism during COVID after January 6th off of taking care of children now, I mean, it's not my job to prioritize their work, but if they're going to make a choice between chasing little old ladies and, and some, yeah, some were military guys or whatever. I know some of the J6 people, you know, versus taking care of little children who are being trafficked. I mean, my God, what's wrong with these people that they'd make this such a choice? Uh, I think that's pretty it's telling com- right it's there. It's a complete it's a complete uh, derivative of it, and this is my contention. This is what I, I tried to push out in, in the hearing, and unfortunately I didn't get as much traction as I really hoped because I believe that this is something that regardless of who you pull the lever for for political office, this should be uh, front and center to you. The FBI has a program that is called Integrated Program Management, IPM. 
It is a quota system that exists in the FBI that they set for themselves every single year. And it dictates the number of cases that have to be open for every violation, the number of arrests, the tools all across the board. And those were set. And the demand for domestic terrorism stats vastly outstrips the supply in this country. So that is why the FBI has focused all of its resources and energy on domestic terrorism. It gives them the political talking point. It gives them the budget that's been enhanced significantly since 2020. And worst of all, the high-ranking executives in each one of the offices around the country get bonuses because their subordinates arrest the right number of people. Ah, there it is, the money. Got to always follow the money. So my girlfriend says follow the money. On that note, we're going to take a quick break. I really appreciate what you just shared. That is quite telling because when the metrics are more important than the people and it's all about the bonuses to the big boys, we have seriously lost our, our way. You're listening to The Jen Charlton Show on WFMD. We'll be right back. Free Talk 930 WFMD. Welcome back. This is Jen, and I have with me today Steve Friend, who is a FBI whistleblower. And I think what you what you shared right before the break was stunning. And the idea that the leadership is driving the metrics in order, whether or not it's there, go find it so that I get my money. That is stunning information. Um, I want to just say something about the rank and file. I know that there are other good people like you at the FBI, and not everybody's corrupt. And there are good people there trying to do the right thing in a bad system. Now, I had the pleasure of interviewing Congressman Perry about the budget a week ago. It is my opinion, and he said it on air, um, that we need to defund the corruption. You don't keep throwing money at something that's run amok. That's just bad business. But they accused you of saying um, that defunding the police and that it was a a rogue operation, basically, which it is. and I think it was Wasserman Schultz. She was a bit of a bulldog with you in that hearing. Do you have any comments about that? Yeah, I do. Um, I, I'm not for defunding the police uh, because the FBI aren't the police. They're, they're not the magical police that we sort of know from pop culture. I, I worked as a local and state officer, and I worked with local and tribal and state officers as an FBI agent. And I can tell you that uh, the the vast majority of superior law enforcement work in this country is done by those individuals, not the FBI. So I've proffered even the idea of if we're not going to abolish the FBI, which in my heart of hearts I I think needs to be done, I think that the the reputation of the FBI is so sullied at this point, we're going to come to a time when they bring charges in a predominantly red district and the jury immediately acquits even a righteous case because the FBI brought it, and therefore it's lost its ability to, to do its its function. But I've proffered a, 
potential middle ground for Congress to take up and consider, and that would be to eliminate the armed special agent of the FBI and make it an unarmed investigative agency with resources and technology, and then have that augment local police, local deputies and police uh, departments because those agencies know the usual suspects. They have personnel who are experienced and competent at their jobs, and they are incentivized to bring the crime down in their area. You elect a sheriff to bring the crime down. If he fails to do that, he, you elect somebody else after two or four years. But because the FBI has this quota system, the FBI is incentivized to bring the crime numbers up. So would you, if you were able to bring or eliminate this armed agent and force the, the FBI to partner with locals, it would change their priorities and would put a bulwark between an out-of-control weaponized FBI and local constituency because the sheriff wants to do the bidding of his people. That would be, to me, a way to actually improve the operations of the FBI because you would have it would be staffed by task force officers, deputies who we could deputize to the U.S. Marshal Service and give them both state and federal arrest authority, and they'd be the, the guns in the room. And you would eliminate the uh, option for the FBI to send a SWAT team at 6 o'clock in the morning to arrest a pro-life protester because you would think a sheriff would object to that. And and the FBI would not actually be equipped with a SWAT team to do it. Great, great ideas. I I actually think we should abolish the FBI. I think that they're so tainted at this point, and frankly, they've exceeded their authority. I and they're, when you're that when you're that corrupt, it's it's usually not uh, something you can undo. It's so entrenched in the culture, and um, and some people have had that quote chilling effect, so they're afraid to go out against the operations of of the the corruption. Um, so I'm not sure we can save it, but here's I you know it I did a little research just a second ago. So the Department of Justice is in the executive branch. Ironically, what I just pulled up on, thank you, Google, the FBI operates as part of the Justice Department, and it is known as one of the most, quote, independent offices of the executive branch due to the nature of its work. That is so a bunch of bunk. I mean, it's totally politicized because it's in the executive branch, and it falls under the administration currently running things. Am I wrong? Yes, it's pretty Orwellian way to, to to put it. And but the FBI is able to avoid accountability with that designation. You have Christopher Ray who's able to walk in front of a congressional hearing where Congress has oversight authority, legal oversight authority of his agency, and he can say, uh, "I I can't comment on that on an ongoing investigation, like it's some sort of media confer- conference." This is a congressional hearing. You must furnish that information over or you should be held in contempt or, or I think he should be held up for perjury charges because I can actually itemize numerous times that I had personal knowledge that he lied to them. But unfortunately, our, our representatives are, are loath to do that. And he can, can therefore sort of say, I'm going to leave the hearing now because I have to catch a flight to go uh, on vacation in the Adirondacks. And he can walk out uh, without really being uh, slowed down. So, Wow. So let's let's fast forward to where we are today. So since the hearing, what has occurred in your world and in the world of FBI? Is there any accountability since you guys came out? There really hasn't been. Uh, I have, I've been contacted uh, once or twice, just text message check-ins. How are you doing um, from from the from the committee, the select committee? 
I don't think that they took up our information with any sort of grain of seriousness. I think their priorities are elsewhere, which is pretty unfortunate to me. I mean, it was it was pretty unfortunate being in uh, in the room and having the opportunity to testify because t- for me that was a golden opportunity if they really wanted the information to be pushed out. It, that is the Broadway show. The rehearsals were during the depositions that I participated in and Garrett participated in and Marcus participated in. There was nothing that we were going to reveal to the congressman that day that they didn't already know. This was their opportunity to put it on display for the American people to hopefully galvanize an appetite for real reform. And you had somebody like Garrett and myself who testified hundreds of times. That room was not necessarily very intimidating to us or compared to the, the a lay person that would walk in there and just be overwhelmed by it. And we unfortunately didn't get a chance to present information like I just did to you on the on the quota system because the representatives want to have their five-minute sound bites and get on TV and hopefully get the fundraising up or get uh, get on cable news that night. So we, we missed that opportunity, and, and now in the ensuing days, I think they, they're sort of like a cat with a laser pointer. They get easily distracted, and they, they view calling for an investigation or calling for a hearing and holding a hearing itself as victory whereas it should be the ammunition, the intellectual ammunition, to uh, to bring about actual reform and change for these agencies that are completely off the rails. So I, I'm, I'm rather disappointed, and there's just been not, nothing that's come out of it afterwards. And, and having given them essentially my career on a platter and telling them that I knew that that was the inevitable result, that the, the wagons would be circled and uh, I would wind up losing everything, uh, my dream career, uh, just to get a, a couple texts here or there checking in on me, I think is, is, is rather disappointing. Well, I I can't. I'm, I'm a bit speechless, and that never happens. Um, Congress is a failing enterprise, and as evidenced by the fact of what you just said, their job is to ensure that when we're off track and we're off mission. And that mission is our Constitution. They have an obligation to get us back on mission. And if they have not done so with your testimonies and the testimonies of your colleagues, to my point when I started this, you put your butt on the line for us. And believe me, millions and millions and millions of people are grateful. We really are. Now, I don't know what to do for you. But I know right now, as the people here are listening, I know there are a lot of my listeners who are pretty shocked right now at where this conversation has left us. But I know one thing. We will not give up on fighting for what's right. And it's not about anti-government. It's about anti-corrupt, feckless government. That was the word you used. That has gone asunder and is more interested in getting reelected and getting a paycheck if you're a bureaucrat unelected and wielding power and going to fancy dinners than it is about doing the work for the people. And we need a complete overhaul, not only in the Department of Justice, but in Congress. I, I agree with you, and I would I, I would think that that should apply also to the civil servants around the country. Uh, you know, we, we, we kind of touched on it, and you said, you know, the good men and women that are working uh, for the FBI and for other uh, organizations. I'm um, no longer issuing that qualifier whenever I speak out, and, uh, and the reason for that is pretty simple. In the FBI, every person has to go on a field trip. 
you go to the Holocaust Memorial Museum, and you go to the MLK Memorial. And the purpose of that field trip is to hammer home that those sorts of abuses, civil rights abuses, genocide, can only occur if police become weaponized and they become an out-of-control political apparatchik, and they just follow orders. The banality of evil that we saw with the uh, with Police Battalion 101, where you had ordinary men who were then, a few months later, executing babies as they were put on trains to Auschwitz. That is real. That is a condition of being human. We're all fallen creatures. And just following orders and saying you have to pay your pay your bills and you have to put food on the table is unacceptable if you are a person who raised your hand and swore an oath to uphold the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. I would rather raise hungry children than morally bankrupt ones. And that is, is, was my calling. That's why I came forward with what I did. I, I wanted to make the agency better. I did not want to – I'm not a political activist, despite uh, what, what Debbie Wasserman Schultz or Dan Goldman or Stacey Plaskett implied during the hearing. Um, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I'm not a grifter. Um, but you can call me all that, but I do think it's noteworthy that they have not called me wrong. And I brought forward a reasonable concern of waste, fraud, abuse, and a risk to the public safety. I don't have to be right. I just have to be reasonable by 5 U.S.C. 2303. I brought that information to the proper reporting parties, my chain of command, the inspector general's office, Congress, the Senate, and the office of the special counsel. I did all of that, and it's never been considered, which is a tremendous disappointment to me from our people who you would purport to be in positions of leadership, and, and that goes up and down the chain of, uh, with, with the rank and file as well. Thank you. I, that's all I have. I mean, just thank you for what you have done. And I think you have raised the curtain on something. And and thank, please thank your colleagues from all of us here, because it was so important that this happened. I have called upon, so I want to switch to healthcare for a second, because I actually think the FBI has been negligent in their duties. And the health department and the health uh, systems across the country, including Fauci and all of his nonsense, have have executed a, a terrible, egregious act against the people. And I know I know from an interview I did with somebody, I could spend hours with you. We only have a few more minutes. We're not going to do a break, so I can just spend more time with you. So I I know that in Maryland, through the Secretary of Health leadership down, during COVID, they were told if they did not sign a death certificate, if a doctor did not sign a death certificate, that immediately red flagged an investigation on that death because that doctor was not convinced it was COVID. So they didn't sign it because that's their integrity, right? So it's supposed to trigger something in the, in the uh, coroner's office or the medical examiner's office in that system. And they didn't. They were told to stand out. The FBI should be looking into this stuff. Pfizer just came out and said, oops, well, our vaccine really isn't effective on young children. Then why are you forcing the parents and convincing them that if they don't do it, their child's going to die while they end up with myocarditis? You got what I'm saying? So where is the FBI's investigative research and intel on these issues that are literally affecting millions and millions of lives here. 
They've so gotten off track that they're coming after parents at a board of ed instead of uh, Fauci and his comrades who are who are who are egregiously harming the public. I'm off my high horse. Uh, I think you're you're you narrowed in on something here, and that and that is a an issue of priorities. And the FBI just is established its priorities that are fundamentally different from what we expect of our premier law enforcement agency. It is now, as I said before, it's evolved. I, uh, I joke that it's a trans intelligence agency. It's transitioned from law enforcement to intelligence collection, but uh, didn't get the chop. They still have the bulge, which is the gun, the force, the use of force. And uh, and when you're an intelligence agency with a law enforcement capability that is not in keeping with traditional law enforcement within the United States, that is the stuff of the Stasi and the KGB. So because of that, it is viewing uh, the American people as opportunities, be it for recruiting them as sources, be it for opening investigations uh, uh, for intelligence purposes, or be it for entrapping them into domestic terrorist plots so that they can justify the existence of the national security branch, which gets billions of dollars. And as a result of that, we're all suffering. And it's, it's going to require massive reform because wherever you stand in the FBI, nobody's getting their money's worth for $11 billion a year. Um, and, but uh, I definitely fall from in, in your camp where I, I think that uh, we're beyond reform at this point. It needs to be scattered to the wind, um, broken into a million pieces and scattered to the wind. So what would you ask of we the people? You have an audience here. We, we want to have our justice arm, whether it's the Department of Justice or whatever it becomes, because clearly I don't, I don't think it's only the FBI that's got a bad reputation. The entire Department of Justice has uh, lost its uh, reputation, and certainly the ATF is out there weaponized against people. And, uh, you know, then they were trying to add 85,000 IRS to, to build out their, their cadre. So what would you ask of us? How can we help? Well, from from a personal standpoint, that there, uh, and this is this was the, the, probably the best thing after the hearing. Uh, there was a give send go set up for for the whistleblowers, not myself. Um, I'm unfortunate enough to be a, a fellow, and I have I have some employment. But uh, give send go slash Kyle Serafin, we were able to raise uh, over six hundred thousand dollars because two of those guys uh, had been unpaid for over a year. Um, and then we were able to make them whole and then hold some back in reserve for future whistleblowers because there's so many people that are still on the inside and they're just, they keep, they can't, can't stand up financially and then they're worried about their retaliation. So that information needs to be put out and then we need to step up and support those guys. Um, as far as. So hold on, before you go on, uh, on that, I just want to do, do, deal with something on the retaliation. They're supposed to be protected from retaliation. How in the hell is retaliation even happening? The FBI is uh, is found to hack around the Whistleblower Protection Act, and, and that is the national security uh, clearance. So you need a security clearance to work in, in, within an actual FBI facility, uh, and that's subject to review. It could be suspended for basically any purpose. So for my case, uh, I was not suspended for whistleblowing. My security clearance was suspended. And the reason my security clearance was suspended was that the FBI alleges I looked at the employee handbook improperly. And they had to conduct an investigation, which could take years. And really, their intention is to bleed you white financially because you're placed in an indefinite, unpaid suspension. 
uh, while they adjudicate that. And while you can request outside employment, they deny that. I, I requested outside employment and was denied. Okay, so isn't that an employment law issue where you could actually sue the government for um, impeding your ability to make a living? It's a constructive termination for sure, and and that's something that um, my attorneys at Empower Oversight, uh, Tristan Levitt and Jason Foster, they've been fighting for for years and years. But even uh, Senator Grassley has has tried to, to make that, but uh, haven't. Unfortunately, though, these agencies that have the, the security clearance necessary in order to do the work uh, have been able to, uh, to 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 push back and not uh, not really give the the actual whistleblower protections that the, their law is supposed to guarantee individuals. Gotcha. Okay, so I cut you off, so I want to go back to what you were saying. So give, send, go, backslash Kyle Serafin. So that's a place to donate to support all the whistleblowers, not just Kyle, right? Correct. Kyle has never taken a penny, nor have I, um, and, uh, and and that's just uh, the we, we've established a 501c4. It's called the uh, Suspendable Support Fund. Uh, it's getting off the ground here shortly, and it's uh, we got our tax documents in, in a row, and we're just getting the bank accounts set up, so we'll be able to actually distribute money without the tax consequences for those individuals. But for the right for the temporarily for the time being, we're using Gibbs and Go, and they've been great for us. Um, uh, I would think at large that we have this uh, budget fight coming up, and that that's, we're in the middle of it. There needs to be a demand on your representatives that if there's no security, then there should be no funding. There's no uh, guarantee that the uh, the Justice Department is, is going after us, and then I don't see why it should receive a single taxpayer cent. And then uh, I think largely the biggest impact you can have is, is at your local level. I've always said that. I'm going to a school board meeting this week. Uh, because there's been some uh, pornographic material found in the school libraries. We're going to speak out about that um, because those are the folks that are the most accountable to me. They're going to hear my voice. Look, I went and testified in front of Congress, and I still can't get their ear. So I think we need to be realistic about how we can best impact and fortify our local communities so that if uh, if, uh, the feds do come, we at least uh, have a hardened base to push back. Well, we are here to support all of you as a megaphone to get the word out and to initiate action. And uh, I agree with you. So the, you said $11 billion is their funding. So what you're proposing is that that $11 billion for, for FBI gets eliminated from the budget? I, 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 oh, I, I would eliminate trillions, but, but right I think on. that $11 billion is definitely poorly spent. Yeah, I got it's it. Not, it, it. There's no ROI on that $11 billion for sure, for the American people. The FBI are not the magical police. They're not doing anything at a greater level than your local deputy does. Your deputy's a better investigator, a better detective, because he's cut his teeth on the street. Most FBI agents are nerds in cubicles who went to Quantico for 20 weeks. Uh, the only time they touch their gun is four times a year to qualify, and the rest of the time it sits in the desk. All right, let me ask you this. Should some of those people at the department, we're coming up on top of the hour, so these can be quick questions. Should some of those people at the Department of Justice not only be impeached like Garland, but should they be subject to criminal um, offenses? Should they be charged? Yes. Yes. There needs to be a perjury referral for Christopher Ray and for Merrick Garland today. Look, the DOJ won't take it up, but uh, my friend Garrett O'Boyle uh, was accused of committing perjury because when he asked about who funded his attorneys, he said that he thought it was through a charity when, in fact, the attorney was working pro bono. And because of that little flip, uh, uh, outside of his knowledge, Dan Goldman proposed that he be, be uh, 
prosecuted for perjury. So the Republicans in the Judiciary Committee owe my friend Garrett O'Boyle a perjury referral for Christopher Wray, who lied about agents being assigned from child pornography to January 6th investigations, or agents doing surveillance at school board meetings, both of which happened to me. All right, here's the last question. It's going to be short, so I may have to have you back, okay? But it's a big question. Are we at war? Yes, we are an intellectual. It's a cold civil war. One side is conservative, libertarian in its worldview. The other side, though, is the Borg. It says that which is not banned is required, and you must bend the knee. Got it. Thank you. Have a great week. Fly your flag for freedom. Go to the Jen Charlton Show backslash flags and buy your flag today.